literally just finished, 11.30 on the dot. The senior pastor will rush through the message and get it done. All the main points will be covered. You'll be good to go. Or should Chris take his time and do this topic well and just finish, you know, when I finish? It's anonymous. And I'll keep to it. Oh, man, that's better. The hum's gone. Okay, good. All right. So anyway, so that's the URL um, over there. Joanne can jump into the um, the stats page if you can. And it'll have the URL on there as well on the stats page. It'll take a while to refresh. But what's really fantastic about this is we get live stats. Oh, my goodness. Ah, uh, look at that. My family is voting us up. And uh! <laughs> the please. They're losing. All right. You see how democracy works over here. Unfortunately for everybody, we're just going to go for the whole length of this sermon. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes, Rick, I, I paid somebody to keep going. Okay. But here's a kind of introduction to what happens with politics, especially in a democracy, right? Because in a sense, we're all in this together. The kind of decisions that are made by our government, the decisions that um, they affect all of us. And so it will affect you. I'm just going to not regard the time. And anyway, this year, our services, we said we're going to go longer. So praise the Lord. Um, okay, I will, I will drive um, for now. But politics came up as a discussion topic for us to discuss in our difficult question series because we are living in very politically divisive times, right? Um, especially in today's global age where we are now multicultural, we're multi-generational, um, we we've got people from around the world all living here in Australia as well. Um, and, you know, even as an example this week, right, we probably had one, one small example of politics going really good, which is our local council member standing up for us and then helping us out with a cause. And then maybe we've had something on the more epic scale with the, um, the marriage vote coming and it having consequences uh, for all of us, right? Uh, in fact, this particular weekend, and just so timely, I guess, that we're discussing politics in probably every second article in the newspaper this week has, been, has had a political tinge. So, um, but this particular week, I've had so many friends that are genuinely celebrating, genuinely celebrating. And then I've had so many friends that are genuinely sad for the outcome. And that is the kind of world that we are dealing with. How do we talk even about political issues? Should the church be discussing things like this. I know for a fact that even within FGA, we're divided 
on political lines. There are groups that would vote liberal, then there are groups that would vote labor. In houses, there, in, in homes, there are di these discussions, heady discussions about what should we do with refugees? What should we do with the economy? How should we handle a range of political issues, right? And why this has come on the radar is because as a church, while we've broadly, just as Jesus has stayed out of po politics and political views, we, our church anyway, hasn't really done any systematic teaching on a biblical view towards politics, which we're going to do today. All right? So regardless of however you think this topic is interesting or not interesting, I guarantee you, It'll be one of the kinds of questions that you get asked in our difficult question series that you get asked. If you say, hey, I'm a Christian, you rock up to work next week, someone might ask you a political question. And then what are we going to do? How are we going to live our lives as Christians here in this secular society? Um, I would ask as well for um, that as I chat, I mean, obviously, you're going to basically do whatever you want to do. Um, but I would ask that we would all, if you're Christians, that we would submit ourselves to Scripture. Scripture needs to inform how we conduct ourselves in this world. I know some of you will look and you'll see, regardless of whatever, you'll see because of your lens and very strong views on various political issues. I'm going to try my best to stay neutral, but, you know, I'm a person. And um, you may see today as, as we're talking about a range of things, oh, Chris is biased this way. Chris is biased. Like, honestly, be less concerned about what Chris thinks and be way more concerned about what God thinks and how he expects us to conduct ourselves um, as Christians in this day and age. Our one line just the anchor today, and we're going to try and cover through a lot of content. Everybody said I could go till 12.30, so it's always going to be really good. Um, Christians are called to influence a country for good. That is our one line for today. That is what Christians have been doing ever since the formation of the church, and I would put it to you even before then. But Christians are called to influence a country for good. That is our mantra for political engagement. Christians are not just read your Bible, stay in some little corner somewhere, and then never, ever, ever do anything with the government or politics. That's not our calling. In fact, because we live in a democracy, we are one, all of us are one voting person in a society that rules by democratic choice. So we all actually are more like Pontius Pilate who can make decisions than we are Jesus who came into a political system which he didn't, which was a conquering nation, I guess. All right. So let's go through. I'm going to power through this reasonably quick because I think these are just core Christian foundations. You're going to see scripture to back this up. But at FGA, we haven't done much systematic teaching on this. And so um, I've, I find like every year there's a generation that comes up that maybe doesn't understand 
some of these fundamental concepts, so let's just talk about them. Uh, I hope it will spur discussion in your homes even, right? But here are some core foundational principles. First, it all begins with God, right? So we really, if we're understanding politics, we've got to begin. Uh, the slides actually are up on the FGAM app, um, which you can download. It'll have all these slides. I've actually made today's slides a little bit more comprehensive because it, uh, today began actually as a really technical, complicated, political thinking sermon. And then I put in a whole bunch of stuff just to make it every day, including that, that vote in the front. Okay. Uh, but the first thing to realize is God is God. Last time I checked, none of us were God. I'm pretty sure of that, right? That, that it, it, it was an avial who created the world and brought everything into being, right? And neither are all of us collectively God. Surely we cannot be that arrogant a generation that thinks this current generation is the God of all the generations, of all time, of all the, right? So if there is a God, we're not it. I think that's pretty fair to say, right? Um, Psalms 2 actually paints that picture really well, which I, I absolutely love. Uh, I didn't put it up on the screen, but I want to read to you Psalms 2. A lot of people skip past Psalms 2 because they, they anchor in on Psalms 1 and then they fall asleep. So um, but Psalms 2 says this. Why do the nations rage and peoples and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let's burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But, and then in verse 4, so Psalms 2 verse 4, it says this. He who sits in the heavens laughs. And the Lord holds them in derision. He, it's a picture of God laughing as people sort of go, oh, I'm king. And they all bandy up against God. Um, holds them in derision. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. That's a picture you get in Psalms at the beginning of this, this uh, amazing book, that pretty much paints a picture that God's on the throne. He's actually going to pick the eventual king of it, all, of it all. This is actually a prophetic um, chapter that talks about Jesus. All right? And so one thing you have to understand is, hey, we are not God, and we are not the ones who at the end of the day sit up on the throne and, and get to sort of say things as they are. But secondly, um, our citizenship is not just in Australia. Our real citizenship is in heaven. And there are multiple verses that will talk about that um, in, in Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're thinking about uh, what are we citizens of, citizens of, who do we reflect, how do we vote, primarily we belong to a kingdom in heaven. That's our first allegiance. All right, um, you get, uh, I like in Hebrews 11 even, which talks about these great men of faith. And, and while we hope we would not be like that, actually, I think you'll find that these words have rung true for many, many, many great men and women of faith. 
that after summarizing all of their great works and all these great people, it goes, and all these died in faith, not having received the things that were promised. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak like this, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And Hebrews talks about that homeland. And so one of the things, if we're going to think theologically, if we're going to think Bible-orientedly about today's society and our political system, one of the things has to be, oh, no political system that man makes is ever going to be the one, right? And, and that we, while we will, like, influence the world for good, and while we're going to do some things, we have to really understand that it might be in our lifetime, we don't even see some of these things ever achieved or changed. Yet we will still persist. All right. And have faith. Okay. Two. So while God is in control and we are citizens in heaven, we actually inhabit this world. So at some level, we live, I mean, I don't have to tell everybody this, right? Obviously, we live in this world. We have a, we have a duty as citizens of Australia. We are, we're part of uh, the Box Hill, you know, or we're, we're part of society that is here, obviously, right? And we've got some verses uh, that are going to cover that. And, and Romans, um, so I've done in preparation for today, I've done massive study on what the Bible has to say on politics, right? So this is not just Chris Ong's view. This is scriptural Bible view, all right? Romans 13, 1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, which is, was our first point, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Oh. It's important to realize that these words were written in a secular rulership. One, was the one that crucified Christ, one that did a range of really terrible atrocities like killing of babies, gladiator sports that just went through and did a range of horrific things. Yet in this environment, Scripture still says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. We have a somewhat unique situation here in Australia in a democracy because we have that tension, right? We actually, it's a real privilege to live in today's day and age. But we, we, can, we can be subject to authorities. And at the same time, within the laws of the country, and we can object. Oh, yeah, we can protest. We are also, we can vote. We can vote. We can lobby. We can, you know, bandy together and, and make something happen. Right? So all that can be done while submitting to authorities. But we are bound. As Christians, we're bound by this imperative. Let's just be really clear about that. That if you go outside of that, you're stepping outside of what biblical counsel has to say on the topic. Uh, Daniel 2.21 says that God changes times and seasons and He removes kings and sets up kings and He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And so, in a way, God has ordained whoever our politicians are and whoever uh, leads us. Um, 
you know, Daniel 4, 17, it says that, uh, that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over, to the, over the lowliest of men. So we need to understand as Christians, we need to be pro-government. In general, not pro this guy, like just pro the people that God has put in authority. That's what I mean. Okay? Three, we pray for politicians, not just outcomes. Please hear this really carefully. Because the biblical instruction, I get it. We pray for outcomes. I have been in these awkward prayer meetings where one person is passionately praying about one political outcome, and then the next person gets up to pray about the exact opposite. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's like watching Christians in a football game, you know, we're like, <laughs> to, I have been there and done that, right? But if we are going to land with what the Bible says, we are also, so I'm not against praying for outcomes. We need to pray for outcomes. Oh my goodness, we need to pray for outcomes. We fight against principalities and powers and a range of influences, spiritual and natural in the world. But the biblical commandments are for us to pray for these people who have lives and have families, who, ha who have put themselves on the line. And Australia has a culture, whether we like it or not, has a culture that just tears down people who try to work for the common good. It just does. And let's not be counted amongst the people who deride our leaders, regardless of whether we agree or don't agree with what they're doing. Certainly, when 1 Timothy was written, most Christians, in fact, almost like 100% of them, I imagine, would have not agreed with Caesar and his rulings. 